What a wonderful thing to be in the house of the Lord this morning, knowing full well that He is with us here this morning. Thank you for coming. Take your Bible and turn with me, if you will, to John chapter 3. I pray that you have already been in the spirit of worship and anticipation on what the Lord is doing and will do. I ask and pray this morning that, that God's will be done in our midst. This morning we're traveling through, studying through uh, the book of John, the gospel according to the disciple John. We have made it to the 22nd verse of chapter 3, and we're going to finish the chapter this morning, good Lord willing. Last week we were speaking on John 3.16, probably the most famous verse in all the Bible. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Now from that verse last week, we were talking about God's character. We were talking about God's love, first of all. The love that, that went to the cross to save us. That paid the price for us. That met the satisfaction of God's justice for us. And that was the second thing that we talked about. God being legal. That He satisfied all the justice, all the laws, by giving His Son in our place. He paid the price for us. And then the last thing that we talked about on chapter 3, verse 16, was that God was long-suffering toward us, and that uh, he, he demonstrated His love for us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God's waiting for us to respond to Him. This morning we move into uh, verses 22 through 36, and we, our subject this morning is, The Bridegroom Cometh. The Bridegroom Cometh. Cometh. The first song that we sang, or one of the songs that we sang this morning, Are You Washed in the Blood? The third verse says, When the bridegroom cometh, will your robes be white? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Now, as we are going through our verses of Scripture this morning, we're, we're talking about, and, and the, the, the person in the Scriptures is John the Baptist. And he is talking about the bridegroom. So as we look into this Scripture this morning, ask the Lord to show you His uh, his character. Ask you to show you who he is. I ask him to show you what he wants you to do and submit yourself to him. This morning we're going to read God's word starting in verse 22, so let's read together. After these things, Jesus and his disciples came into the land of Judea, and there he remained with them and baptized. Now, John also was baptizing in Anon near Salem because there was much water there, and they, became, uh, they came and were baptized. For John had not been thrown into prison yet. Then there arose a dispute between some of John's disciples and the Jews about purification. And they came to John and said to him, Rabbi, he who was with you beyond the Jordan, to whom you have testified, behold, he is baptizing, and all are coming to him. John answered and said, A man cannot receive, can receive nothing unless it has been given to him from heaven. You yourselves bear me witness that I said I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. He who has the bride is the bridegroom, but, but the friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is fulfilled. He must increase, but I must decrease. 
He who comes from above is above all. He who is of the earth is earthly and speaks of the earth. He who comes from heaven is above all. And what he has seen and heard, that he testifies. And no one receives his testimony. He who has received his testimony has certified that God is true. For he whom God has sent speaks the words of God, for God does not give the Spirit by measure. The Father loves the Son and has given all things into His hand. He who believes in the Son has everlasting life, and he who does not believe the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. This morning, take a look at the bridegroom. Let's pray together, please. God, you are awesome and wonderful in all your ways. Thank you for this beautiful morning on which we have come to your house to worship you. May your Spirit speak to us through your Word and convict us of, Father, what you desire for us to do. And whatever that is, Father, help us to be obedient because, Father, to be obedient is to love you. To love you is to be obedient to you. So, Father, as we gather this morning, we expect, we thank you for joining us, and we expect to see your movement in our hearts. Lord, I just ask for your will to be done in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The bridegroom cometh. John, in this, uh, this beautiful passage of Scripture, his description of the Lord Jesus Christ, he calls him the bridegroom. So the, the things that I want us to look at this, this morning and the first few verses there, uh, there were, what was going on was there was a lot of disputes and distractions that, that popped up. Disputes and distractions. It says, after these things, Jesus and his disciples came into the land of Judea, and there he remained with them and baptized. Now John also was baptizing in Anon near Salem, because there was much water there, and they came and were baptized. Now, there were some, some, some questions going on there. A little bit later on, his, uh, John's disciples came to him and asked about this, but you see what was going on is they were both baptizing. Jesus, of course, he wasn't doing the baptizing. His disciples were doing the baptizing. Looking in verse uh, 4, chapter uh, 2 says that Jesus didn't baptize them. It was the disciples did that. But they, people were coming to them, and, and they were being baptized. Now, John the Baptist was doing the same thing. But there's a distinction there, okay? I want you to understand that there was distractions going on. Whenever the Lord starts moving in your heart, the devil's going to try to distract you and keep you away from following the will of the Lord. And that's what was going on here. Jesus was there. He was there in their country. And there were so many distractions. There were so many things going on that was trying to draw people's attention away from the Lord. So John was baptizing. Jesus was having his disciples baptized. John had not been thrown in prison yet. But it says there arose a dispute between some of John's disciples and the Jews about purification. Now think about this for just a moment. The Lord of all, the King of glory, was in their midst, and they were worried about who washed their hands and who didn't. Or who ate something that they weren't uh, cleansed or holy or purified. And they were discussing these minute details about stuff, and it was not important at all because the Lord was there among them. Now, the crazy thing about this is our world will distract us with anything and everything to keep us from worshiping God. 
to keep us away from worshiping Him with brothers and sisters in Christ. You name it, the world will throw it at you to keep you turned away from God. Instead of turning to God, instead of running to God and seeking out opportunities to worship, the world will offer you all kinds of things for you to worship. And we don't think about that as worship, but whatever we devote our time to, more so than God, is something that we worship. Now, as there was a lot of different things going on, there was a dispute about this purification thing that came up, but think about it for just a moment. What in the world did it have to do with righteousness? You see, that happened to be man's laws. God did have laws about purification in the Old Testament that they were supposed to follow, but the Jews, they had strictly laid out a whole bunch more laws. As a matter of fact, that was the way you became famous back in those days, was if you, were, if you had a law that was added to the list, then you were somebody. So everybody was trying to tack on some more stipulations and laws about purification. So they were fussing and fighting about what was clean, what was not clean, and, and the washing of hands and all those kinds of things. But then there was this competition thing going on. Because look what it says, and they came to John. Now they could have been either John's disciples or the Jews. Probably both went to John and asked him this question. The question was, Rabbi, he who was with you beyond the Jordan, to whom you have testified, behold, he is baptizing, and all are coming to him. Now they're talking about the Lord Jesus Christ because John had testified that Jesus was the Son of God. He was the Lamb that taketh away the sins of the world, is what he had said. So John knew who they were talking about. They knew who they were talking about, and they were talking about Jesus. And they said, wait a minute, he's over there baptizing too. So in a sense, they were jealous. And it may have looked like they were in competition with one another. But you know what John told them? He said, a man can receive nothing unless it has been given to him from heaven. You yourselves bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. Here's the way that I took that. John says, John is saying to the people that are asking this question about Jesus and about purification, he says, you're missing the point. You've missed it altogether. It's not about the purification things. It's not about who's baptizing and who's not. It's not about them, more people following him than following me. It's not, you've missed the point altogether. Because the Lord of glory, the king, the bridegroom whom he's about to describe in just a few moments, he says, he is here and I came to bear him witness, so you have missed it altogether if you're following me and not following him. Competition in the house of God? Brothers and sisters, listen, we're not in competition with anybody. I'm not in competition with you. You're not in competition with me. We're not in competition with the church down the road. You see, we're all on the same team. The only competition that we have is Satan, evil in this world. And he's conquered. He's defeated. So what kind of competition is he when we are in Christ Jesus our Lord? Let me tell you what happened to me years ago. Um, first church I was called to, the pastor, the, the chairman of deacons came to me one Sunday. I hadn't been there too long. And he says, you know what? He says, you know, we're a family church and I understand that. He said, you know, we're a small church. I understand that. But we're kind of landlocked. He says, actually, there's, 
a couple miles this way there's a church, a couple miles that way there's a church, and a couple miles that way is a church. He says, so we're, we're kind of, you know, we're in a position where we really can't grow that much. And he said, you know, the church over here, they're our biggest competition. And that, that was the word that he used. They're our biggest competition. And I looked at him and I said, brother, I love you, but they're not our competition. They are our sister in Christ. You see, we're to work with one another. The same way that the church, inside the church we work together, we're supposed to work with other churches in the same fashion. There's no competition in the body of Christ. Because Wellman's not important. Uh, Toposaw, not important. Pleasant Hill, not important. The, the body of Christ is important. That's where our firm focus should be. We shouldn't be trying to outdo anybody else because you know what? We are no more worthy than they are no matter what we do. You see, we're here to worship Christ and to accomplish His purpose for us. Because we're the only ones that can accomplish His purpose for us. There's no, they can't do what we do because the Lord says we're, we're to do what we do. They're to do what the Lord wants them to do. They're to do what the Lord wants them to you know, we do. We've got to mind our business, whatever the business the Lord gives us. We've got to do that. And if we do it to the best of our ability, we're going to be pleasing to Him. It's not we're in competition with them. We're trying to outgrow them. We're trying to outdo them. All these things. It's not that. If you think it's that, you've missed the point. You've missed it altogether. Because the point is submitting yourself before the Lord Jesus Christ as the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, as the King of glory. He's our Master, our Lord, our Savior. John says, look, if you think it's about me, you've missed the point. He said, I've told you that I'm not the Christ. He said, I've told you that He is the Christ. As a matter of fact, everybody that was coming to John, He was sending them to Jesus because that was His mission. That was His purpose. All the disputes and all the distractions that this world brings before us and before the church, they're no good. They're not of God. God's not the, the author of confusion. He's the author of unity and love. And when you see that, when you feel that, that you see, that is from God. Don't worry about the disputes. Don't worry about the distractions. Focus on Him. John was trying to get all of those that were coming to Him. All of the Jews, whether they were, rabbi, whether they were teachers or, or, or uh, Pharisees or whomever, those that were following Him, He was still pointing them to Jesus and baptizing them in repentance, but He was sending them to Jesus. And then, He describes Himself. John does. In verse 28 and verse 29, he goes on, he, he says there, You yourselves bear me witness that I said I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. He who has the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, his joy, this joy of mine is fulfilled. John says, look, I'm not the bridegroom, I'm the best man. He said, at the wedding, at Jesus' wedding, or the bridegroom's wedding, I am there to support the bridegroom. I am there standing beside him so that he may receive his bride. Now, his purpose was to make sure that the bridegroom received the bride. And once that, was ha once that happened, his job was done. So that's what John says. He must increase. 
I must decrease because my job is over. He says, I've introduced the Son of God. I've introduced the Lamb of God to you. It's not about me. It's not about who's coming to me or who's following me. It's about everybody coming to the Lord Jesus. It's about them following Him. And John says, I was sent. I was sent before Him to testify of Him. That's what John said in, in chapter 1, verse 23. As a matter of fact, the Old Testament prophecy about him. He said, John said of himself, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness, make straight the path, the way of the Lord. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. He said, it was foretold, my ministry was foretold, that I would come and, and lay down the pattern and, and stretch out the way, make sure the path was clear for the Lord Jesus Christ to come. You see, I've done that. He said, that was my purpose. I was the, I was the best man to the bridegroom, and now the bridegroom's here, so my job's over. He said, I, this is it. I still send people to him because he's the bridegroom. He is the main one. Now, John goes on saying that, of course, he was the bridegroom. And he says, my purpose, since it's fulfilled, I'm happy about that. John says, my, my joy is full. I am rejoicing at the sound of the bridegroom receiving the bride. When I hear his voice, I'm happy. As a matter of fact, he was overjoyed. That's, that's why he was still sending people to Jesus. They were coming to him because of his fame and that sort of thing. But he was saying, look, it's not me. It's him. And whenever he received those peoples to himself, he says, of course, it's not me. It's him. And then he says, you know, I'm going to decrease because he is increasing. As a matter of fact, every one of us, it's not about us. It's not. You know, in my world, there are people who, who rule my days sometimes. Bridget's not here so I can pick at her. Sometimes she tells me what to do. She lines out the day for me. This is what we're going to do, okay? Yes, ma'am. Sometimes Judah, my grandson, he's the one that rules the day. So I've got to you know, take care of him or do whatever it was, is with him. But you know what? I look at that and say that's my opportunity to, to decrease so that they can increase, so that they, they, I can show them how important they are to me. Now, apply the same thing to the Lord Jesus Christ. How many times do we stop in the morning time and say, Jesus, increase in my life and cause me to decrease? Help me to put you first and not what I want first. Increase your influence over me throughout everything involving my life. And when you do that, by the way, just like John says, therefore this joy of mine is fulfilled. When you stop and let Jesus rule and reign in your life, you might think it's going to be a downer and that you won't be able to do anything fun, but I guarantee you it will be joy unexpressible for you following the Lord Jesus Christ. John said, look, if you think it's about me, you're missing the point. If you think it's about disputes and distractions, you're missing the point. He said, let me give you the point. As he starts in verse 30, he says, He must increase, but I must decrease. He who comes from above is above all. 
He who is of the earth is earthly and speaks of the earth. He who comes from heaven is above all. See, he's starting to describe the bridegroom. He's, he's talked about the disputes, distractions. He's, he's introduced himself as the best man and pointed, pointed to the bridegroom and said, he's the most important one. And he said, first of all, understand this. He is from above and he is above all. Imagine that for just a moment. If our world would recognize Jesus as king and put him first in all that we sought to do, Imagine what a world would be like. He is from heaven above. And what he has seen and heard, that he testifies, and no one receives his testimony. He who has received his testimony has certified that God is true. John is kind of speaking about himself a little bit there, and he's, but he's saying everybody that recognizes that Jesus is from above, and he says, by the way, he is from above. He's the Lamb of God. Uh, John had already spoken that, and I'm sure every time he stood to preach, he was explaining to people that Jesus was the Son of God, that they needed to repent and prepare themselves for the Son of God. So as he was doing that, he says, He is from above, and if you believe his testimony, then you have received life. You have proven that God is true in his words. And then he said, For he whom God has sent speaks the words of God, for God does not give the Spirit by measure. He says, God sent his Son. So Jesus is the sent Son. He said, this is, here's the point. God loved you so much that he sent his only begotten Son that whosoever would believe in him, in the things that he did, in the things that he said, and trust him to, to save them, trust him with their life, they shall have everlasting life in His name. John says, if, if you receive His testimony, Jesus was telling everyone, I am the Son of God. Now, He said it in many different ways, but He was proving to them also by the, all the things that He did, the signs and the wonders, He was proving to them that He was the Son of God, and if they did not receive Him, then they did not receive life. Because remember what we said about being born? Condemned? Being born with a sinful nature? And you must be born again, born into spiritual life? Without accepting Christ, you're still condemned in the condition that you were born in, in condemnation. But accepting Christ, if you believed His testimony, you certify that God is true, and God then saves you. For He whom God has sent speaks the word of God, for God does not give the Spirit by measure. He says, Jesus has told us what it takes for us to be saved. The Father loves the Son and has given all things into His hand. He who believes in the Son has everlasting life. You see, that's the last thing. Jesus is above all. He is the sent son, but he's also the life giver. He's the one who offers you everlasting life. And the only one that offers you everlasting life. Many people think, well, if I do this or I do that, you know, I'm going to live the best life here now. Uh, I heard of Donald Trump a long time ago that uh, someone was witnessing to him and, 
and this was back in the 90s, so they were witnessing to him. I'm sorry, it wasn't, it was in, in the early 2000s. So anyway, um, they were witnessing to him and, and telling him about the future kingdom of God, and he says, I think I'll just take mine now. So he didn't at that time, with that witnessing opportunity, accept Christ. I don't know if he's saved or not, but he said at that time, I think I'll take my riches, my glory, and all that now. But listen, without accepting Christ as Lord and Savior, you're still in condemnation. You're still in your sins. You're still bound for hell. When you accept Christ as your Lord and Savior, when you accept Him because He is the life giver, He is the one who can give you everlasting life. And John lays that out right here. He said, He who believes in the Son has everlasting life, and he who does not believe the Son shall not see life. But the wrath of God abides on him. That condemnation that we talked about, that's the wrath of God. You see, God, in his holiness, cannot abide with sinful people. You see, he has to do away with the sin before the person is acceptable to him. And the only way for sin to be cast out, the only way for sin to be separated from the sinner, is by the life giver, by the Savior by the one who spilled his blood, the one who gave himself as a, a sacrifice for our sins, the perfect sinless sacrifice, so that God's justice can be met and all the legal requirements for salvation are taken care of. God paid the price by his Son to relieve us of our punishment. But... We've got to accept it. John says this is the bridegroom. He is the one to receive the bride. Guess who the bride is? You and me. The church. Jesus receives us unto himself when we come to him, when we pledge ourselves to him. Think about what a bride does to a bridegroom. When the bride comes to the, the altar where the groom is. You see, the bridegroom comes and she pledges herself to her husband, her groom, as the groom pledges herself, uh, himself to the bride. So in that same image, when you come, pledge yourself to Christ and ask Him to save you, He pledges Himself to you and says, I will cover you. I will cleanse you. I will make you ready for heaven, and everlasting life is yours when you make a covenant with him, when you pledge yourself to him. The bridegroom cometh. Will your robes be white? Jesus desires for all to know him. It's not God's will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. You see, we've got to stop don't let the distractions and all the disputes and all of this and all of that keep us away from the Lord Jesus. Recognizing that we are being introduced to the one who loves our soul so much that he gave himself for your freedom, for your righteousness. When you pledge yourself to him in that marriage covenant, you pledge to follow him for all of your life. And he pledges to you forgiveness of sins and everlasting life.
Have you met the bridegroom? Will you covenant with him today to follow him, to be his all of your life? Don't allow the world to distract you today. No matter what's going on in and around our congregation and in around the church, Jesus is speaking to someone today and wants you to understand his love for you. Will you accept it? Will you come to him? See, the bridegroom is waiting at the altar. He's waiting for his bride to step forward and to make a covenant with him. Lifelong, forever, to be his bride, to have his love, to receive his life. Would you do that this morning? Let's pray together, please. Our Lord, God, and King, as we bow before you, we love you and thank you so much for your word. We thank you so much for your salvation in Jesus. And as we ready our hearts now for this invitation time, I pray that your purpose, your will, what you desire will be accomplished in it. We bow before you thanking you for all things and expressing our love for you for the salvation that Jesus brings as our bridegroom. In his name I pray. Amen. Would you please